Hi, everyone. If you're listening to this, you kind of know what you're expecting. This is the podcast of Datadice. In the podcast of Datadice, we interview the team members of Datadice. And today we have junior data engineer working with us since the beginning of November 2020, Ahmed Masmoudi. How are you, Ahmed? Hey, how are you guys? Let's jump right ahead. Uh, Ahmed, is there a potential for recommendation systems to improve the monetary performance of the menus of restaurants? <laughs> Yeah, you are going straight to the point, right? <laughs> so uh, I think there is, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I got the chance to work on something uh, with uh, Metacus Analytics. It was in Munich. It was two years ago. Uh, well, uh, it has four founders and two of them were Tunisians. Actually, they were like sort of from my neighborhood so yeah <laughs> I, I knew them like really so we had like this university project at the time and we worked remotely with the startup to have to do some pred prediction on the uh, canteen's uh, performance in Munich so we uh, we were working on some forecasting to uh, determine exactly or ap approximately I should say uh, the number of plates uh, uh, per day and per season and uh, for uh, for different like times of the year in the in different canteens in Munich, so uh, there will be no food waste in those canteens. So, for example, the chef will estimate the number of plates per day and per season and per month, but it the the estimate will be like will have like a, a big a bigger march of uh, of of being wrong. We were working on this with uh, using time series. And uh, actually, we made some good results, and uh, it it was sort of a competition between teams. So we were in the classroom, like we have like different teams, and uh, the startup founders were like determining which team has the best result. And of course, there was like a prize, sort of a prize, like at the, the end. So. The <laughs> no, uh, slightly better than this, like an opportunity to have an internship with them in Munich at the time. And it, it was a big thing. I mean, for us going to Germany or even to the Europe, like it, it was a big opportunity to do that. But eventually uh, they didn't do that for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> so they, they took the results and they used them. But yeah, I mean, uh, but the second part of the project was to determine how the menus will look like for each season what should we put for every day for each season like should we like use those fruits at the, at this season it will cost more should we use this should we use that uh, this is the healthy uh, menu this is unhealthy menu germans like healthy stuff but not all the time so we need to alternate between those menus and we need to find like the perfect combination so it will be like appealing for uh, employees around those continents to to go for it and to to eat there so yeah yeah because that's interesting when i was uh, reading a bit about it it was a bit unclear to me if it was more focused on the economical performance of it as in quantities that should be produced or the types of dishes that should be produced and now you're saying there's actually both of them no yeah both and we, we even worked on the cash points so we tried to make process mining sort of project so to optimize the process and to say okay so you have like for example six cash points you need to give this cash specific cash point th those menus and this specific Sorry, cash, point, what, those what menus. Is a cash point 
a cash point so when you go to to pay for your lunch mm. at, at mm. the end so so to avoid long lines and like longer waiting time for uh, for customers uh, we try to optimize the process and to make specific menus for each cash point so it would not be random uh, so for example like bigger menus and will have like certain cash points like and some smaller menus will, will be gathered in some cash points it's not that simple but <laughs> that's that's the explanation of it but yeah then in the end were you making recommendations for the menu as well did you recommend a specific dishes to be added to the canteens in munich yep i'm i'm, I'm not sure if it's deployed at the end but certainly they took some ideas from it so uh -huh. uh, we had like those raw data from healthy and healthy dishes like with uh, seasons and with fruits and with specific ingredients for each menu and what which ingredients and when exactly should we use those ingredients to make more profit and to make those menus more appealing yeah i i, I learned some words <laughs> from that so but to be honest you you know that data analytics usually usually work on data uh, without going into specifics i mean i will not search for a random german word i will just like have some data have some results mm -hmm. some scoring systems you know so yeah so you're not including kohlrabi in all your dishes i can imagine existing pushback from the chefs when they I think in many parts of business, when they get the young university students come and tell them like, hey guys, I mm. think if you follow our recommendation system, you're going to make better dishes. And they're, yeah. I have been working in this canteen as a chef for 25 years. I yeah. know what I'm doing. You, you will not be my boss now. <laughs> so uh, actually, uh, Metacus Analytics works with a 50-50 profit system, if I may say so. To convince those canteens to work with them, they will like provide those analytics and those like uh, recommendations and uh, plus profit or the extra profit that those canteens will make, it will be split uh, between both of them. So the canteens will not be uh, forced to pay anything uh, at the beginning. So that's the uh, reassuring part of, of the project. So take the solution, If you make extra profit with it, and if the performance is like increased, we will split this margin of profit, you see. Did you include Taco Tuesday in the list of recommendations? Uh, I, I didn't know about it at the time. Okay. <laughs> Actually, frequent listeners of the podcast will know that all the, all the loyal listeners of the podcast will know that mm -hmm. these are questions that I wanted to ask, but I also get questions from other people who wanted to ask. Yeah. And one of I, the questions was about your cooking habits, no? So what is, uh, uh, what are you cooking? Were you taking insights from this internship to learn a bit more about cooking or what's your approach? Hey, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, to be honest, I spent like maybe 20 years or 20, yeah, 20 or so uh, living with my family. So I had zero skills <laughs> regarding <laughs> cooking, you know, the Arab families and stuff. So we, we were so spoiled regarding food, you know, so <laughs> I, I didn't have to do anything regarding food. But after that, uh, I moved to the capital, which is Tunis. And 
I spent three years there living by my own where, uh, where I studied uh, engineering but still my mom was sending me some food like somehow <laughs> that is great what what would she send you yeah she sent me like some traditional dishes like sometimes like the uh make it specific tell tell me names yeah, okay. the, dish, so, the best dishes that so, she would send so this is the most shameful one uh, uh, he, she will send me like cooked like uh, spaghetti sauce so i can just like boil the spaghetti and mix it together so <laughs> but what uh, what made it special over spaghetti sauce that you would get in tunis it was homemade and i didn't know how to uh, to uh, to do it by myself so yeah right. but now i'm like ashamed of it because it's so easy to <laughs> to make yeah but i learned how to cook after i moved uh, to germany so i mean I took st- still I took some food from Tunisia when I came here but uh after two months like I was forced to to learn how to do it and like my mom calls me and she pushed me to like write some recites and like yeah. how to do this how to do that like I was trying some stuff uh some stuff were good I was stuck I was stick with that but some stuff I like not good to eat so i will just like <laughs> get, get them off the list <laughs> yeah. yeah but and uh, we have like this special month uh, in islam uh, which is ramadan so mm-hmm. it's all about well it should be all about praying to allah but uh, <laughs> in modern times it's all about uh, the food so so i learned like the tajin we call it I, sh- i should i should make some uh, for for you guys it's so delicious and i, I think it's so 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 famous you, sh- you know it right mm-hmm. tajin yeah. yeah i made the well i didn't make the couscous because it's so 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 hard to make so uh, uh, some of my friends made it at the time uh, but it, it 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 was some like uh, we had some special times in ramadan like the the last one like we we have like some good cookers and we were like gathering at 7 or 8 p.m. eating together like 10 or 12 people it was good, a good thing regarding that we i'm like away from home and stuff so yeah but the result of it i only know how to cook maybe two or three things now <laughs> <laughs> and when you I mean you've lived yes in you were born in Sfax no yeah yeah so Sfax Tunis Schmalkalden Coburg Berlin when you're looking for homely food or something that reminds you of home what are you looking for in restaurants are you looking exactly because I could find only one kind of Tunisian restaurant in Berlin I I was not able to find it at the time I I went to to I I forgot the place specific place in Berlin where all Arab people are there. The, we call it the Arab street or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has another name, like the official name, but I forgot about it. So uh, to be honest, I, 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 I didn't have much time to look for that. So I will stick to dinner in Berlin <laughs> and uh, I will just like cook by myself most of the times. at home so there's nothing like close to 
what I used to eat back home because we use like we 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 are big fans of spices, you know. So and it's not a big thing here in, in the restaurants. I I think in in some parts near near Mexico or something like they refer to this north northwest part of Africa as Maghreb. Do you also use it? Yeah. Yeah. Would you go for a restaurant like Maghreb food restaurant? I think they're actually like in some parts of Spain, they're quite common that they advertise it as food from the Maghreb. Mm, yeah, uh, it, it's it's like usually pretty much the close to the Maghreb food. And I remembered one restaurant in Berlin. It was in Kantstrasse 40. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I remember. He was like a Palestinian guy. And he was making Maghreb Maghreb food, mm-hmm. you see. So I I usually go there. Like I I, I almost forgot about him. Like he has yeah. like some perfect Maghrebian. Yeah. The, the <laughs> only place I found is actually I've never been there. I just in my deep deep research, I found this place called very Tunisian La Cacerole. And it's, it's in Stiglitz and it's owned by a couple of Tunisians who have lived in Berlin for over 20 years. And they have, they, they, they don't advertise it exactly as exclusively Tunisian food, but it mm-hmm. seems to be a very fancy place, like three Euro signs in Google Maps. Nice. We'll see. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. We should go there when I, <laughs> when I pay a visit. So you, you mentioned already Schmalkalden. How was it uh, like deciding to go there? It, it was an accident. <laughs> may I, you may thought I you were going somewhere else? Uh, no, no. Uh, I I was doing an internship in Tunis uh, with a friend of mine who, who, who was actually like my classmate. And uh, we were uh, working in this like startup called GoMyCode, which is like... A learning platform and uh, we were like giving some data science and machine learning courses for the youth uh, we were having good times <laughs> at the time and yeah and uh, my friend uh, maybe at, at june or something yeah at the middle of june he told me that there's there is an opportunity to go to germany as an exchange student so he told me i didn't tell anyone but i will I'm going to tell you. Do you want to go with me? I, I I like I don't want to go by myself. Like, so I said. I mean, let's let's give it a try. It 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 was not my plan to specifically go to Germany at the time. So I was planning to finish my degree, then I will look for something back in in the European Union. But your your plan was to go three years before after you did your recommendation system for the canteens, no? Yeah, I I I I was planning to take my to take my revenge. <laughs> they didn't have like they promised something and and they didn't do it. So. <laughs> But talk a bit about the study program that you went to now, because you were in mm-hmm. about to finish your studies in Tunis, and then you go into this kind of exchange program with Shmuel Kalden. Yeah. How was it like? To be honest, the. Uh, exchange opportunity was just an opportunity to be to integrate in the german market so to have a chance to maybe have an internship or something so uh i was only thinking about having an internship and finishing my thesis to get my degree so this study program was not that good for exchange students so it was just like 
some random subjects that that I already saw and that I already learned. So yeah. it was partying most of the times. <laughs> <laughs> before Corona times, like we had like a good time before Corona. Like we had this club in the in the university in the campus, and like it was like partying all day. <laughs> Do you know the Olympic discipline or the sport, the biathlete, biathletics, you know? No. Because apparently it's very popular in Schmalkalden. So they have this uh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I heard about it, but uh, it was, I think, cancelled at the next summer because of Corona, I guess. So I was, I didn't have the chance to, to uh, attend it, I guess. Yeah, so biathlon, biathlon. So you you go in skis and then you shoot a rifle. I had no idea. I mean, I had heard of this sport. I think it's a great combination. Someone decided it's like this chess boxing thing. It's also biathlon of doing this. But Schmalkallen has as many cities, this program of sons and daughters of the city, no? Where they recognize people who have been relevant outside, no? And in the list of the sons and daughters of Schmalkalden, since 1967, 60% are biathlon athletes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for like mm-hmm. the, last, the last 60 years, 60% of the most prominent people are biathlon, uh-huh. I think. It's, I think it's, I would have imagined then that it would be, I mean, it's a town of, 35, 40,000 people? I would imagine it's very, very uh, prominent. 18,000. 18,000? Yeah. <laughs> Apologies, Ishmael Kallen. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's very small. So uh, you, what, what, the fact you said makes total sense. <laughs> also, I just put it in Google Maps and I saw that it looked like it was exactly in the middle of Germany. And then I went in a... I'm very busy these days at home. So I went into a rabbit hole of how to calculate the geographic center of countries. Yeah. And there's many different approaches, as you might expect. Mm-hmm. But the the most accepted one in Germany is just 50 kilometers away from Schmankalden. Nice. So yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought about I thought about this idea. I didn't check uh, as you did, but yeah. when I first like was planning to to, to, to come to Schmalkal, then I opened like the maps and I said, okay, it's like behind the Germany word, like the country, like. Yeah, it looks, uh, it, it looks quite, catches your attention that it's exactly in, in, the, the, in the middle. Yeah. yeah. So the, I think the most accepted one is just using uh, latitude and longitude, no? So you take the, the degrees and you get it. And the point mm-hmm. is somewhere in, Need Niederdorle or something mm. like that, yeah. which is 50 kilometers away from my cousin. But anyway, you went I from you were living very far away from the coast then in Schmalkalden, but before mm-hmm. you were growing up right up in the coast, coast, yeah, both in uh, Sfax and in Tunix. Tunis, yeah. So, um, to be honest, I will not consider my home city as a coastal city, city. yeah, because. <laughs> It's industrial. Uh, it's it has it's an industrial city, and uh, all the waste from factories like was dumped in the sea. So, like maybe twenty years ago, we we, we were able to swim there, but now uh, it's 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 not doable. You see, so 
we we go to other like coastal cities to to spend the summer there. So Sus maybe Monastir, Madia, Nebel also has like some beautiful beaches there. The the capital also is not considered as a summer 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 place if you want to swim. So uh, yeah, uh, it's just like a big lake and uh, But, every coastal. Ahmed, like, what would you say about Lagule? Lagulet. Lagulet. Is it a famous place? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's like a very old and very nice place to go to, and uh, yeah, it it has a, sm a small beach, <laughs> yeah. so you can swim there. I actually swim there, but it's not so good. But it has like a lot of history there, and uh, it has like some beautiful castle on the beach of some like 1800 like families royal families before the colonization of course yeah is it considered lagulet to be part of tunis yeah so the capital has has the center and three or four different big regions that are all gathered to to form the capital you see so Yeah. Thanks for showing it with your hands in a yeah. audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> But yeah, that's the, the, that's the way I talk. <laughs> yeah. So in, because I had Lagulet in my head because I I remember this movie coming up on TV called like A Summer in Lagulet, <clears throat> which I also didn't know that it was set in Tunisia, and also that one of the actresses there is like was a huge actress in, in the, maybe like in 60s, 60s, early 70s in Italy, Claudia Cardinale was actually born in Tunisia, which was leads me to maybe one of the questions that you would can decide to cut off from the podcast, because mm -hmm. coming from Mexico, I get the feeling often that from other countries, different temperature, different weather, different approaches, the general idea of growing up in a country like Mexico, maybe drawing a very broad connection to, to Tunisia. It's kind of exoticized, no? They imagine this idea very completely different. And I was looking at pictures from this movie, uh, A Summer in La Goulette, and I was looking at pictures from other movies set in Tunisia, not from mm -hmm. made by Tunisian. And everything is just like sun and sweat and the life like it was in this idyllic yes. paradise completely different uh. no and i think that that's often the case in i see it from my own personal experience and also when i tell someone like hey when i ask where are you from mexico immediately they have this preconception how is it mm -hmm. for you when you talk to people from europe and you say like hey yeah i'm, I'm from tunisia yeah so uh, basically Tunisia uh, is getting recognized more and more with the revolution that happened 10 years ago. So everybody is knowing about Tunisia now. But uh, the true reason that most Europeans like Tunisia and they talk like good about it and they know it very well is uh, the tourism in Tunisia. So mm -hmm. we have some like good places to go and it's cheap to spend like some some time uh, there so many europeans come in the summer and uh, uh, the uh, tunisian ec economy is depending a lot on tourism on tourism so uh, it, it has like a big a big part of uh, our like revenues coming from tourism but the problem here 
uh, and I will expand the, the subject uh, that uh, depending a lot on tourism is an issue even before the pandemic, you see. So be- sometimes some like the terrorism that will take place in some places in Tunisia will like affect the, tur- the tourism and as a result will affect the whole economy and the country will get in a crisis for one or two years. So there, there were some suggestions that we should depend on other stuff like agriculture, like we used to do at the past, but, but yeah, governments are doing <laughs> pretty well with that. Yeah. But that, I mean, that is definitely an interesting, I, I think that affects countries who have an easy offer for tourism. No, it's always this question of how deep should be the focus into this specific area no but i was mm-hmm. particularly curious on how was your how is has been your experience living in smaller german towns so both coburg schmalkalden less than fifty mm-hmm. thousand people talking with people there and what is the reaction what do you feel is the preconceptions that come with that it it can it can go like in in two ways the first one is oh, okay uh, i visited tunisia i had like i went here i went there it's a beautiful country of course they will only see the good people when they go as tourists so they will have an, an impression that you are a good person and they will treat you uh, like accordingly to that but the other way is that the maghreb people are doing a lot of trouble in, in Germany and uh, elsewhere. So if those people are hearing or are following the news and like the, for example, the accident that happened in Berlin with that like big uh, truck in the last year or something, uh, it, it has a Tunisian driver. So if somebody heard about this news, he will have like a bad impression about you. And I, I got this impression a lot, so. Yeah, it's like both edges of the story. So yeah, it comes come with it, no? Okay, so during the podcast, we'd like to take a small break and play mm-hmm. a small round of overrated and underrated. I'm gonna list you a few concepts, names, places, and you just quickly say if you think they are overrated or underrated. Are you ready, okay. Ahmed? Yeah. Pandemic haircuts overrated or underrated? Very overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. IoT solutions for cargo shipments. Underrated, I guess. Mm-hmm. The learning platform Coursera. Uh, underrated. The jazz classic A Night in Tunisia from GC Gillespie. Underrated, I guess. And the last one, LeBron James. So overrated. <laughs> go, go, Warriors. <laughs> So we transition out of overrated and underrated and go into sports, which is a topic that I know that you're very interested in. Mm -hmm. So besides following basketball, uh, of course, you're also following what? uh, Football, Formula One, what else? I used to be a big fan of tennis. So at the beginning of, at the peak of the Nadal versus Federer and Djokovic times. So I I, I was enjoying uh, watching those games what else um, so sports is a big thing in tunisia so we follow handball volleyball when it comes to our national and national team do you, and, know, uh, do you know who was the so tunisia 
has won a couple of World Cup games in soccer. Do you know against mm -hmm. whom was the first win of Tunisia? So it was in 78. <laughs> Correct. In, uh, I like that you know the, the year, but you don't know against whom. <laughs> but yeah, sure. I guess against Mexico? Exactly. 3-1. Three, 3-1, one. Three, three, one. Yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I like that immediately when in one of our team calls, Brenna was here wearing a jersey of Barca and you were immediately calling attention to it. Is it also, yeah. are you following Barcelona? Yeah, I'm a big fan since 2004. I, I like felt in, lo in love with the, the team since the uh, Ronaldinho uh, days. I mean, he yeah. was like, he was a magician in, in football. And then it follows Messi, and but now I'm not having good uh, good times following Barcelona, to be honest. <laughs> so besides, of course, following the sports, the professional sports, were you also doing sports yourself? Yeah, I used to play tennis when I was eight, nine, and ten. Then for for some reason, I quit. And uh, you were too good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's I no competition. Yeah, I mean. My parents were not pushing it, so I guess if you were young and you, you 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 don't know exactly what's the right thing to do, so like if if your parents will not push you to do something at the time, you you will just quit at at some random point, you know. Uh, I used to play football all the time. It's a big thing in Tunisia, so uh, I was playing like every week i didn't play professionally because i guess the difference between germany and tunisia here the that germany has multiple divisions so you will have an opportunity to play in the fourth or third if you're if you are an okay player you see yeah. but in tunisia we have the first division and that's it and the second that is already striking <laughs> yeah i think here in germany it's quite structured down to multiple levels no i think a guy mm. in a previous job there was this guy who was doing i think just an internship or something he was for a few months only in germany and then one day he said he was from china and he said that he needed to leave early because he had a ping pong competition i was like sure mm. like where are you playing he's like yeah i'm in the german seventh league or something like, does that exist i think he actually during just a few months he managed to move from the eighth to the sixth division or something and i mean that's a big accomplishment for someone yeah. who had no clue even where to register or what was happening he would just go with his racket and be like okay i'm ready yeah. nice cool. yeah i have some tunisian friends that came after 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 me uh, to schmalkalden and they are now already playing for Versenhausen. It's another city like mm -hmm. there. So, and they like, I, I watched some games and they have proper like t-shirts and stuff. <laughs> and like in our second division, we don't, uh, we don't have this. <laughs> so you're not joining the Coburg uh, soccer team? If they have one, I would join. Everything is close right now. I, I don't see. I don't see any maybe, football. Maybe team. you need to start it, no? Mm. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Going back a bit about tourism in Tunisia, you say that a lot of people from Europe go and visit and have some ideas of tourism there. If huh? you were to decide to design 
a two-week vacation in Tunisia that you say, okay, if you really want to enjoy the mm -hmm. country, don't go to those places you see in brochures. You should go to this, this, and this. Yeah. So if you want to see traditional stuff, and so you, you'll go to the capital, but I don't encourage you to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> the perfect plan for me is to go to Bizert, which is like the highest point in, in Tunisia. And it's a coastal city. It has like those beautiful mountains on the beach and it has like some hidden places that most of the people don't know about. So you have to have a Tunisian friend that will like show you those places. Uh, some places are like, like heaven, you see, there's, there's no people there, like small islands, kind of islands there. So you, you, you have good times there. What is the in, name in again Israel. of this place? Bizert. And, uh, and yeah, that's it to spend the two weeks there you <laughs> know i mean you you can go there you can go to the uh, north north northern west i guess it's it's beside desert so you can go to the tabarka and uh, eindram so those two places are not so far away from desert and they have like the European style of buildings, but they have some other special stuff and you can have like some hiking there. So it, it depends on the activity, but I really like those places in the north. I, I don't like to go to Jerba, it's too mainstream. And uh, I don't like the desert because it's uh, it, the, uh, the government is not investing that well in in, in the desert and the activities there. So I think it can be something very, very good and promising to the tourism in Tunisia. And it's already having a lot of tourists that uh, come for only like desert. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's poorly invested in. And uh, so go to the north <laughs> behind the wall. <laughs> And what and what should we should we eat if we can't uh, get tagine from your mom? What should we? <laughs> so uh, you can have lablebi. Mm -hmm. It's a traditional plate which is uh, so I I forgot the word. It's so it's so hot. It, it it's only for winter. So if you want to. To gain some temperature, like body temperature, you should eat huh? the We have kaftiji also. It's like some potatoes and some like tomatoes and stuff like that mixed together and with eggs and stuff. It's very good. Ajda also. It's uh, like tomato sauce with some eggs. You can uh, add uh, whatever kind of meat you want to, uh, to this. So yeah, I feel like uh, when I when I studied in Tunis, that's the main three plates that I was eating all the time and enjoying every time I eat. So you're gonna need to write those down to me because my <laughs> I have no okay. idea how to write it. But yeah, okay, <laughs> that yeah. is good, cool. And you got a chance also to travel a bit through Europe once while you were in Schmalkald in pre-pandemic, no? You know, so. You know. Uh, <laughs> At the end of December 2019, we were a group of 10 friends, Tunisian friends, when we decided to have like 
a, a Europe tour. So we're going through Europe and discovering uh, different European countries. So uh, the plan was to go to Prague at first, spend three or four days, I guess, there, and then go to uh, Vienna and spend two or three days there also. And then we went to uh, Budapest. Mm-hmm. I really liked uh, the city. It was very beautiful. Uh, well, not the people, <laughs> but the city. <laughs> so, and after that, we spent we spent uh, New Year's uh, in Paris, mm-hmm. and then we went back uh, to uh, Schmalkel. That's the best way to end the trip. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Schmalkel feels like home now because I spent more almost two years here, so I forgot about the concept of. Home back back in Tunisia, so home is Schmalkalde. Now when I go there, like I get reassured, but still it's like student life and so, and I really want to move forward from that. But yeah, I, I don't have any other like place to go, to be honest. <laughs> Ahmed, we've been talking for quite some time now. I have mm-hmm. a couple extra questions, but is there anything that we haven't talked about that we like to? bring up to the conversation my, my childhood <laughs> <laughs> let's go do you want to talk about when when you started talking <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do a no, thing. Pull, pull back yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it i mean should i talk about my childhood it's it's open to whatever you want to talk about it's a okay. safe space yeah I, I wanted to talk about the times where the computer was not a thing, when the internet was not a thing, when like when I was five, six, seven like years, years old, even eight and nine. So there were some good times. I mean, we were like exploring and we were like going into like getting into trouble all the time and we have we were group friends in uh, my neighborhood it, it, i think that there there were those memories were the dearest to me because now everything is moving quickly is is like you'll have a stressful life but those times will be like for exploring for like doing bad stuff for <laughs> Uh, having crazy idea to build like a house, a house, a tree, a house tree, a tree house. I mean, and uh, yeah, I mean, there were some good times back then. Yeah, very good. Ahmed, why are there so many Ahmed Masmoudi online? So basically, my last name is very popular in Morocco and in Tunisia. So. Uh, we were like this, uh, how how should I say it? Tro- troop or something. So group of people back back in the old times that we were ha- we were like living in a mountain in Morocco. So some of some of the family uh, like migrated to to Tunisia and uh, settled in Sfax mainly. We we are we are a very old family. Mm-hmm. So there, there were like a lot of us, but Ahmed is self-explanatory in yeah. the Arab world, you see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. That's uh, about my questions. I have 
a couple extra ones, but I leave them for the eventual round two of the interview. Maybe we'll get to talk about how you should turn the W appropriately in the team three game. What's the best approach <laughs> for it? But maybe we'll have we'll need to dedicate a full episode for that. That's classified information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, thanks, Ahmed. I think this has been very nice. Yeah, I, I still can't believe that it's already 6 30. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. Perfect. Thank you. And yeah, until next time. Thanks, Ricardo. And thanks for uh, our listeners. <laughs> I, I really want to do the Joe Rogan style. Yeah, this, I, I'm already <laughs> going to cut this, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs>